0: Tuesday, September 1st. For the remainder of her summer, Percy woke insanely early, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and headed to Shady Pines. She wrapped silverware in scratchy mauve napkins and replenished salt shakers, sugar packets, and flower bases. When school started up again, her Tuesday and Thursday shifts moved to the evening, but sorrowful Saturday mornings continued to begin with a harshly buzzing alarm and still dark skies. On the first Tuesday of September, Percy felt even more pissed and prickly. Besides having had to spend so much time at Shady Pines for such a stupid reason, she was missing Kirby. He'd been gone all summer at his dad's house in London, and they hadn't talked much because of the time difference. And since he'd graduated the year before and was starting college, they could no longer meet for hot fudge slander. Nearly every Tuesday the year before, they'd met at the ice cream parlor to dish on all the juicy high school gossip. The best part was that neither of them actually gave a shit about the real gossip, so they ad-libbed their own absurd versions. Percy couldn't remember ever laughing harder, and once she actually peed herself a little bit. After the last bell, she stopped at her locker, then headed across the gravel parking lot to her car. The crunch of small stones under her feet sounded how her brain felt. She wanted to throw big rocks at all the windshields, but instead watched the dust that her shoes kicked up. After digging her keys out of her bag, she looked up at her car and yelled, Kirby! What up, Purse my girl? I didn't think you were back yet. Yeah, I got back last night. I couldn't miss hot fudge slander. After releasing her from a rocking hug, Kirby presented a rectangle wrapped in waxy tissue. Yeah, we're gonna have to make do with these shitty confections from the convenience store. Oh, but I love these things. She tore the wrapper, pinched the wooden stick, and extracted her chocolatey claire. They're so weird. This crumb coating is definitely made out of leftover birthday cakes from Chuck E. Cheese parties that happened in the 1980s. And the air bubbly chocolate in the middle? Real ice cream is not carbonated. Yeah, but how else do you expect them to conjure up such superb bowel gas? Mmm, good point. The food scientists had to make up for the lack of lactose since these contain zero percent real milk. Yeah, I buy that. Percy, I gotta say, I'm surprised. I thought you'd look different. Why, because I'm a cool senior now? Oh well, yeah, you're a cool senior. The coolest senior. But now that you're a contemptible criminal, I thought you'd look different. How exactly? Like, maybe a fedora? Oh no, I left my fedora in gym class. <laughs> so you've been a criminal for, what, a couple of months? It's been 11 long weeks. And how's it going? Oh, I'm about the same as sharing an airplane with 17 screaming infants. Or being forced to eat a Hot Pocket while riding a subway with a dozen people clipping their toenails. (laughs) Or, same as flipping through TV stations only to find Lawrence Welk and Judge Judy for the rest of goddamn eternity. So pretty bad. It's bad. But you're almost done, right? Yeah. Time remaining? 29 calendar days. That's 13 more shifts. Ugh, that's smart. What about your pops? Did he break your balls beyond the Shady Minds thing? No. He's opted for slow and steady psychological torture. He has my contraband hanging from the light fixture above our dining room table, so we can play tribute every night at dinner. Really? Yeah. The first week or so, he would accidentally knock it every time he passed me a plate of food. Here, have some green beans. Oops. And the thing goes flying around like a piñata. Once he got theatrical lifting a big serving of spaghetti and doused it with sauce. What a waste of cutting-edge technology. I mean, of course, that's the real tragedy. Not my stupid ass landing itself in a retirement home for my entire summer. I need to hear something good. Tell me about you. Are you ready for college? I can't tell you. I oh, want all your secrets. Oh, no secrets. I wish. I just have to run. I have a phone call with my advisor in five minutes. You don't need an advisor when you have me. Oh, Percy, you know I won't listen to anyone but you. How about this? I'll give her the number to your food scene to your piece. And before she advises me, she can call you, and you can advise her. Deal. Hey, thanks for making hot fudge slander happen, Kirby. Even if it was with that shitty food-like substance. Which was awesome. You're welcome. I've missed you, Purse. But you're back, baby. (laughs) Alright, I'll fart you later, Miss Bonnie Clyde. Toodles. Percy pulled into the most distant parking spot in the Shady Pines lot. During aggressive treatment of the emergency brake lever, something caught her eye. Forty feet away, partly blocked by another car and the branches of a tree, she saw what looked like a very tall infant. His white sailor's hat was akimbo on his fleshy head, and his movements were wobbly. But he was not a baby. He was an 80-something-year-old resident, tentatively exiting his jeep. Percy rested her forehead on her steering wheel and said, Oof. Mm. Thirteen shifts to go. Thirty minutes before dinner started, Percy was tasked with setting the tables and prepping the salad bar. After that, she became Drink Lady. The servers took the residents' orders and delivered their food while she served and refilled juice, water, coffee, and tea. If she had gotten frequent flyer miles for her trips with those coffee carafes, she could have gone to Egypt and back for free. Elma, whose deep voice was made nasal by fluffy fat that lined her chest, throat, and jaw, was her most common coffee requester. Percy, sweetie, warm this up for me? Percy swirled the pitcher as she walked over to Elma's table. She needed the centrifugal force to give her momentum. Oh, and some more cream when you have a chance, my dear. Though I shouldn't have it because it'll just go straight to my hips. Elma's friends chortled as Percy turned to fetch the creamer. Percy mumbled. If you didn't lie prostate on the dessert table like Grandma Pac-Man every night, Lerma, your ass wouldn't dip over the edges of the oversized chairs. Lerma was the sound of Elma's name when it was pushed through her husband's stroke-contorted mouth. Sad, of course. Tragic but also funny. Oh, Percy, Percy, dear, sang another woman, whose name Percy still didn't know. How's my favorite young lady this afternoon? Percy gave her a thumbs up and a thin smile while thinking, Lady, you don't know me. You're just jealous of my neck skin's intact collagen. All the residents acted like they adored her, but they hadn't the slightest clue who she was. Imagine if they knew why she was there. This irked Percy until she realized their effluvient affection was not exclusive to her. They each served up delirious happiness to everyone else all the time. This was part of the Shady Pines' culture. Percy saw it after each shift. While she peeled off her maroon server's vest and shook her hair out of its ponytail, she watched the residents pass each other in the front sitting area. Upon approach, most faces clicked into broad and shining smiles. Then, after brief generic pleasantries were exchanged... Their loose skins fell with a whoosh, like heavy fabric, back into their resting fossil face. It was a living theater cast with people who didn't know they were acting. That night at dinner, Percy's dad helped her realize she was being a bit too harsh. It would actually be weird if most of the residents were not miserable, wouldn't it? considering what confronts them on a daily basis—illness, injury, loss of independence, and, of course, their body's inevitable transition to room temperature—let them imitate happy people. What's more, he said around a spoonful of lentils, those who are depressed, with hunched backs, deep eye sockets, hollow stares, it's not their fault. They could be suffering from side effects of medications, absentee families, or grief from having lost their spouses, siblings, neighbors, pets— any number of things that you're lucky not to be able to imagine. Percy conceded. Yeah, I guess. Furthermore, they must take every step with some amount of fear. At any moment, dropping into a chair or turning a corner in their walkers or even reaching for the coffee you've just poured them, they could snap or tear something. And the smallest fall, even one that doesn't break a bone, could bruise the brain. Few know that as we age, our brains shrink, which stretches and strains the tissues that hold that vital gray matter in place. A hard sneeze can make something pop and speed us over the rainbow bridge to glory. The ones you say are snooty might actually feel desperately neglected. And for others, there's the potential of irrationality due to dementia. Imagine the terror of sensing your identity slowly slipping away. The tapestry woven with such great care over several decades disintegrating into piles of thread at your bulbous, bunioned feet. Yeah, you're right. All Percy could think of was her dad living in that place, frustrated at not being able to bend down to grab a book from the bottom shelf or struggling to find simple-for-him words like synopsis, epitome, or metamorphosis. Taking on a more clinical air, he set down his silverware and clasped his hands. Furthermore, many of their behaviors and idiosyncrasies could be explained by nutrient deficiencies. Without vitamins D and B12, memory and mental health suffer. Without magnesium and enough protein, balance and coordination falter. The body needs choline to keep the mitochondria running, and without touch and connection, which are certainly nutritive in their own rights, the spirit dwindles and the reaper swiftly creeps. The healthcare system has failed our elders in that respect, leaving them to unconsciously activate their own individual compensatory behaviors, which, by the way, include promiscuity. Percy raised her eyebrows and stopped chewing. Her dad smirked at the assertiveness of her outstretched hand that insisted, Do not go there, Dad! He stood, dropped his crumpled napkin on the table, and popped into the kitchen. After he rustled around a bit, he returned with two small plates and presented her with a cupcake. Dad, are you rewarding me for stealing? Well, I suppose I am. I'm rewarding you for being really, really awful at stealing. And for regretting it. And for making it right. It's been 81 days since your crime, and, well, I'm aware that it's probably against all rules in parenting handbooks to say this, but I'm proud of you, Percy. After Percy shrugged and smiled, they both went about cutting their cupcakes in half lengthwise, then carefully flipping the bottoms to sit on top. Percy chided as she tapped her icing sandwich. Well, you could have been proud of me without making me spend my whole summer with old people. Purse, save it. You know it's my profession to recognize and manage delusions of persecution as well as transference. It was either a summer of serving your elders or a giant smudge on your record. Dad, I'm a minor. They'd have expunged my record. Your legal record, yes, but what about your karmic record? Speaking of which, there's been something about your point of view that might be getting in the way of that. What are you talking about, Dad? See? You're annoyed. That means it's a point of resistance. How can I resist if I don't even know what you're talking about? I'm talking about your attitude toward old people. Didn't we just cover all that? Wasn't this cupcake a bookend? You know, I'm going to be an old fogey someday. A coffin dodger? A geezer? A useless codger? Dad. This is just an exercise. If we get all the slang out on the table, perhaps it will lose its power. You'll be able to see through it to the real people behind those labels who cannot be labeled. Okay, old grandpa. That's hardly malicious. And no pressure, but I hope to be an old grandpa someday. Try again. Wrinkled dinosaur. Shrivel nuts. That's gross, you bald-headed nincompoop. Hold the phone. Let's be realistic. Look at this luxurious mane. I will never be bald-headed. <laughs> Percy asked, So what do I call old people? Elderly sounds bad, too. Yes, I agree. So, let's think about that. AARP membership starts at 50, but that's not even close to old. 50's the new 40. Let's say 70. What do we call people who are not 70? Well... I mean, there's baby boomer, millennial, Gen X. But I know what you're getting at is that people are just people. Right. And so why can't old people just be people, too? Just be men and women. If it's necessary to specify, then a number could help, like woman in her 80s or man around 65. Shit, am I an ageist? Honey, we're talking about this to dissolve away labels. Don't stick one on yourself now. I'm just giving you something to think about. Something to gum on. (laughs) Ha ha, Dad. Okay, point taken. Old people are just people. Like Soylent Green. Percy's dad leaned back in his chair and yelled, It's people! Soylent Green is people! He pointed at her with the fork he'd used to scrape up straight crumbs. Not for nothing, your grandfather did things that defied any presumptions based on his age. He died in his 90s, with his brain still perfectly intact. In fact, he passed in his sleep after an adult sleepover. It was just how he'd wanted it to end. Dad, Percy whined. That's, that's not something I needed to know. She pushed her chair back and said, Enough sharing for tonight. I have homework to do. Hold it, Purse. First, tell me one thing. Is everything going okay? Are you feeling better? Dad, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. She slumped back into her chair. But better? I don't know so much about better. Maybe better? It's really frustrating to watch these people in shady pines. Most of them are just kind of through with life, like in a holding pattern, waiting to die. It's weird to see that when I'm so itchy. I just want to find the thing that I'm, you know, going to live for. I remember that itchy feeling. But not from when I was your age. I remember it literally from yesterday. With your genes, I'm happy to say that you cannot expect that itch to ever subside. You want my advice? Do I have a choice? Percy crossed her arms and gave her dad a wry smirk as he continued. Focus on the connections, Percy dear, the small bits, as well as the big picture. Take in the next thing, then the next, then the next, listen and react, but consistently pop your perspective up, up, up to search for the patterns. Look at it all from high above. As long as you keep moving based on what you feel to be true and act on what's borne out in the patterns, that thing you're looking for will form around you. It will crystallize. Eventually, each time you gather yourself and check out the bird's-eye view, you'll realize you are a part of the pattern. Just as the pattern is always changing, like the clouds in the sky, so are you. But if you force it, I guarantee it will all go wrong. Easy to say, Dad. For you, since you're weird like that. To be honest, I have to give credit where credit is due, which is to mescaline, but that's not in your cards at the moment. Anyway, I just want you to know that I understand the existential itch and I want to make sure your sticky fingers are not the particular part of you that is itching. Just hold out for college, okay? And I'm not talking about distance learning from the state penitentiary. Percy laughed and her dad waved her away. You go, I'll dish. Thursday, September 3rd. 12 shifts and counting, Percy thought as she waded into the thick and familiar bouquet of institutional air fresheners spiked with bleach. She told Kirby each square yard of air in that place was crammed with the contents of one can of Glade. Despite her dad's sensitivity training, she hypothesized that the increased air pressure enabled the residents to stand and walk without collapsing, held them up like an ambient walker. Anytime a door opened, they drooped. Three of the community's most aggressive single ladies were chattering in the foyer. Percy had no problem overhearing their quiet colluding since the definition of quiet conversation was dialed up to compensate for the varying battery strengths of hearing aids. Have you seen the new guy? Oh my. Is he single or not? No one knows. He's not from around here. He looks single to me. Betty feels single too. I'll report on that soon enough. Wait a while. Not if I do first. Retirement homes have higher numbers of sexually transmitted diseases than high schools. At least that's what Kirby had told her. And seeing these ladies in action, she believed him. She'd seen three slow squeezes of a shoulder and two uncoordinated winks, which were enough to nearly ruin sex for her. She had not yet done the deed and knew if she thought too much about these inflexible people in their beige compression socks, she would never be able to bear it herself. She wondered what this new conquest of theirs might look like. Rodney Dangerfield? His crooked grin, bulging eyes, stooped shoulders, swollen belly, and clumsy stuttering movements. Rodney adopted these mannerisms to be an amusing performer, but in Shady Pines they were common tells of past strokes and progressing Parkinson's. His was a comedy of horrors. The moment she walked into the dining room, she saw she'd been completely wrong. Her eyes were drawn to the new guy. He was standing near a table of new friends, trim and poised and completely relaxed in his starched white shirt, royal blue tie, and gray suit pants. As a tiny woman shyly offered her hand, he bent closer. His expression had a weird look to it. It took Percy a few seconds to realize his smile seemed odd because its warmth was genuine. Oh, Lord, have mercy on my soul, murmured one of the elderly whores just before she bumped into Percy. Excuse me, honey. On her way to join her promiscuous clique at their usual table, she fanned her hand under her face to indicate how hot, hot, hot the new guy made her. Percy was impressed that this woman's ovaries could still make enough estrogen to make her that kind of hot. "'Oh, Percy!' beckoned Elma in her deep serial killer voice. Even as Percy ran around pouring coffee for Elma, then Charles, then Bernice, then Harold, then Clara, and zipped into the back for more iceberg lettuce and mandarin oranges for the salad bar, a slice of her attention was always directed to this new man. In what she had come to know as an abyss of insincerity and fragility, he seemed confusingly real and strong." When Laura summoned her, Percy was gratified to notice she was sitting one table over from the new guy. It wouldn't be hard to eavesdrop for a while because Laura's recent stroke had made it hard for her to vocalize her thoughts. As Percy waited, she heard that the new resident's name was Adam. Adam was sitting with a feeble, near-deaf couple. It sounded like they were neighbors because the husband was warning Adam about a German Shepherd. That meant they lived over in the cottages rather than the apartments where only small breeds of dogs were allowed. He's a vicious beast who'd happily rip out your jugular as soon as look at you. Don't get anywhere near it after eating a steak. Just one whiff of your breath and you'll be its dinner for sure. Isn't that right, Mary Sue? Isn't it a terrible animal? Adam stepped in before Mary Sue could add words to her eagerly nodding head and swaying neck skin. In a voice that made her think of fluttering sheets drying on a clothesline, Adam said, Ah, Bill, it's funny you should bring up German shepherds. I've known four in my lifetime and they were, in fact, the most loyal, intelligent animals I've ever encountered. With this one you speak of, it likely just takes some psychology to get them to warm up to you. Pack dogs need to know who's in charge. Who is the alpha dog, I mean. Or you could always just share your T-bone with them and join the pack. Just as Mary Sue started to explain to Adam why she couldn't eat steaks because of her high cholesterol and damaged kidneys, Laura began to gurgle her request. Percy doubted at first that she had understood correctly until she leaned closer and inhaled. Oh, she said, quickly standing up. Um, don't worry, Laura, it's going to be okay. Just sit tight. As if she had another option. Percy approached her boss, trying to figure out the most professional way to say that Laura had shit her pants. She stammered, Uh, Denise, it's Laura. She, uh... Oh, not again? Poor gal. Denise picked up the phone and poked the keys with her hairy finger. "'Damn it, that's her second chair,' she said in a hush. "'Goes on her bill, you know.' After Denise spoke into the phone, a laugh burst through Percy's nose and she quickly slapped her hand over her face. "'No!' Denise had said, "'Yeah, we've got a code brown number two in dining.'" With a blank face, Denise crossed her arms high over her flat chest and scanned the dining room like a seasoned, war-torn, international spy. "'Try to call it like it is, Percy. doesn't ever get old till it does.'" Her wide shoulders and muscular biceps were downplayed by her flouncy sleeved blouse with its large floral patterns, and her braided leather belt added girth to her narrow hips. When they first met, Percy wondered why Denise would subject herself to curious stares, fake casual investigative banter, and occasional glares. It seemed it would be easier to avoid all that and be content with knowing she was female on the inside. But once Percy got accustomed to the inflated pseudo-happiness at Shady Pines, her perspective quickly shifted. She knew some residents may use complacency as a coping mechanism, but she resonated much more with Denise's unspoken philosophy of, fuck it, be who you are and do it real loud. Percy returned to Laura's table to tell her that help was on the way, and it literally was as a nurse had just come through the door. Instead of waving, Percy threw him a check-please hand motion and then shrugged. Straight away, completely unfazed, he laid a blanket over Laura's knees, tipped her back, and rolled her out of the room. The back two legs of all the chairs had sturdy wheels meant to facilitate scooching under tables, but they also turned out to add convenience when one forgot to wear a diaper. A few diners outright stared, but most watched more covertly as Laura was escorted out on her dining room chair. And it was indeed her chair because in Shady Pines, if you mark it, you buy it.